Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Trinity Podcast. My name is Ashley Matthews. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity, and it's really great to be with you for this final episode of our Easter podcast series. We've been going through the book of Revelation uh, here on our podcast and in our sermons, uh, also in a study, doing a lot of Revelation during the season of Easter as a way uh, to remind ourselves that uh, God is, in fact, telling a very good story, uh, even through And at times, even especially through seasons of uncertainty and struggle, that's what we learn and hear over and over again throughout the book of Revelation. So we've been learning about and reflecting on ultimate heavenly things uh, in order to give us new perspective for everyday life, a sort of earthly things. That's also kind of the point of Revelation. The more we peer into, press into heavenly things, the greater insight and maybe the more hope we have for the everyday stuff that we're being asked to tackle, to move through. And so today we're going to be reading a bit from Revelation chapter 21, but I want to first give you a little bit of backstory before we read those verses. At the beginning of chapter 21, John sees a vision of a new heavens uh, and a new earth. A new Jerusalem uh, comes down from heaven and joins with the earth uh, so that all things are made new. People and creation were meant to understand are resurrected. This is a vision of the redeemed world. And uh, John is describing this sort of uh, epic finale toward which the whole of, of course, the book of Revelation, but uh, more importantly, human history and certainly the biblical narrative have been uh, moving all along. And yet we discover, uh, far from being the end of the story, that it is in fact actually a return to the beginning Revelation 21 and 22 are in so many respects a return to Eden, a redemption of the creation story. And as much as I wish we could talk about that, there's um, one tiny detail uh, tucked away in these verses in Revelation chapter 21 that I want us instead to focus our time on together today. This is uh, from Revelation 21, starting in verse 12. John is beginning to describe some of the particulars of this new Jerusalem that's come down from heaven. And I'll read them to you, starting in verse 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is one of those passages that uh, on the surface for sure sounds like it has absolutely nothing to do with your real life. Uh, It's too figurative, too spiritual, uh, too foreign uh, to possibly matter. But I want to share with you uh, one one detail that stands out to me that I think actually does have a lot to say to us about our everyday lives. Uh, Did you notice that the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the names of the 12 apostles appear on the gates and on the foundation stones of the city? 
John clearly notices. Uh, he makes it a point to tell us that he sees the names written there. And you probably would notice too, I know I would, if I had seen my name written on the gates or the foundation stones of heaven, I would probably want that detail included uh, in my recounting of the vision as well. And I think we're meant to take note of that fact and to put ourselves in John's place. That's oftentimes the hope or the point of the Bible is that we would enter the story ourselves. So we're meant to imagine how we felt. And if I put myself in his place, I imagine him feeling a lot of things. I mean, he has been at this point, no doubt, for years now, hearing news of one death after the other. His closest friends, very likely John was one of the last remaining apostles to be alive at this point. And he's been stuck on this island in exile. Uh, now while the church that he loves so much was in dire need of his support and his help, he had to have long periods of feeling very useless and frustrated with God, not to mention the long periods of doubt that he no doubt uh, also had, being stuck out there all by himself, wondering if he hadn't made a huge mistake with his life. I don't know that we can all relate to the martyrdom that he feared or the loss of his friends, um, but there are other aspects of John's feeling that I think we can very much relate to and imagine. And so when he's feeling um, most ineffective and most useless, maybe even most frustrated with God, he has all of these visions. But in this one in particular, he sees his own name written on the foundation stones of heaven. And obviously the symbol is trying to say something uh, to us. That's the point of symbols is they can say what words can't say. And I think it's in, in part at least this. Our lives... Our stories, our prayers, our acts of faith and justice and forgiveness and patience, great and small, these things are the foundation upon which God has chosen to build his kingdom. And he could have done it anyway, but he chose to do it this way through our lives, through my life and your life, not only the grand ones, not only the important ones, but my life and your life. I think that's the point. And you might say, well, yeah, but I mean, it's really only people like apostles or other super God stars, you know, whose names appear in heaven. Like my life is not exactly kingdom uh, building or heaven building material. And that's fair. I can relate to the feeling. I also think we have to imagine that John could also relate to that feeling. What I want to do is read you now a portion from a book written by Eugene Peterson on the book of Revelation. It's called Reversed Thunder. And in it, he writes this. The marvel in the stories of those 12 sons of Israel was not their sanctity nor their heroism but that God willed to use such intractable and unattractive human lives to lay the groundwork for the great salvation work that he completed in Jesus. The father of the twelve, 
Jacob, has little to commend him, and his seed did not improve in his sons. We have stories of brutality, fraud, cowardice. But in and through those life stories, God persistently brought about the salvation of wretches that didn't deserve to be saved and revealed his glory. We are not apparently then to think of heaven along the lines of a Valhalla, great heroes carrying trophies, swept into heavenly honor. If heaven is for such people, it will not have much to do with my life. But nothing in the life of faith or this vision suggests that will be the case. Simeon and Reuben are building materials for heaven, and they were scoundrels. Bartholomew and Thaddeus, who are they? Well, they were apostles, even though we know nothing about them or what they did. Such being the case, there is nothing so evil then in my unfaithfulness, nothing so obscure about my life that is not even now being fashioned into the foundation stones and entrance gates of heaven. When St. John saw the names of the twelve tribes inscribed in the gates of pearl and the twelve apostles inscribed on the foundation stones, he knew, and makes us know, that everything in history is retrievable. And I would go a step further to say everything in your life and in my life is retrievable. Being a parent has taught me a lot of things. But one of the most important things that it has taught me is that there is a reason that God has chosen to build heaven the way that he has, to build his kingdom the way that he has. He would just rather do it with me than for me or apart from me. In the same way there are things, most everything, that I would just rather do with my sons than to do for them or apart from them. God wants to use your life as a gateway or a foundation stone. So if you also want that for your life, if you want to be someone who welcomes people home, who welcomes them into relationship with God, if you want to be someone who grounds people and brings a sense of stability to the world around you, Perhaps this passage is meant to say to you that you are already that. Can you be better? Can you do better? Of course you can. So could they. But you don't have to be more or different or something that you're not. He is using it all in ways that you might not be able to see right now because the progress is happening and is most visible on the other side of the veil, so to speak. Everything in your life is retrievable and is intended to be used as the infrastructure of heaven. That's the good news of this vision, I think, tucked away in a tiny detail. So maybe a question to put to yourself and to God is this, what part of you feels most useless, and maybe even like a liability right now? Can you today imagine, can you hear the Lord say to you that that part, maybe even especially that part, he wants for his kingdom, and that he is in fact using it in ways that you've not yet seen or understood? So be at peace.
if you are someone, I think, um, in need of that word, uh, you can trust that God intends for you to have that peace, to be encouraged, to have the hope that you need to face the very real stuff that's in front of you. So take comfort in his love, in his goodness, in the strength and work of his spirit in you and through you this week. And enjoy these last days of Easter as we prepare to shift into a new season in all kinds of ways around here. God bless you all. We'll see you on Sunday. Amen.